and welcome to the Mission Inspire podcast, a production of the National Medal of Honor Museum Foundation. On today's episode, we have assembled an all-star team to discuss the life and legacy of our nation's first and only female Medal of Honor recipient and how we can all continue to be inspired by her example and courage today. Dr. Mary Walker was a pioneer for women in the military. I am one of those individuals for whom she helped pave the way. My name is Mo Barrett, a recently retired Air Force Colonel after a career which took me around the world as a pilot. Now I'm a speaker, motivator, and as I like to say, anecdotist. I'm thrilled to be joined today by two women who know quite a bit about the extraordinary accomplishments of women in the military. We have with us Senator Joni Ernst, who in 2014 became the first female combat veteran to be elected to the United States Senate, where she represents the state of Iowa. Senator, it's an honor to have you with us today to talk about such an important and inspiring topic. Oh, thank you, Mo. I am grateful to be with you. And we know that many, many women have been inspired by those that went ahead of them. And I'm, I'm just grateful to be able to join in the conversation today. Thank you, ma'am. We are also joined by the country's foremost authority on Dr. Mary Walker. She is Dr. Teresa Kaminsky author of Dr. Mary Walker's Civil War, One Woman's Journey to the Medal of Honor and the Fight for Women's Rights, which was released earlier this year. Teresa, welcome. Thank you very much, Mo. I'm so happy to be here. It's great to have you. So Teresa, for those tuning in who might not know the incredible story of Dr. Mary Walker, will you give us the 30,000 foot synopsis of who she was, when she was awarded the Medal of Honor and why? Sure. Um, it's, it always surprises me that um, she's not more well-known because as you said, she's so far the only woman to have received the Medal of Honor. And the fact that it was awarded because of her service in the Civil War um, also makes it more of a surprise because there's so much work that's been done on the Civil War. But this is of course where gender kicks in. And this is um, really the story of Mary Walker's life. She was born in um, New York State in 1832. She was raised by very, um, we might call them progressive parents these days. Um, back then they were known as free thinkers and her parents believed in things like co-education, um, choosing religion with intellect rather than emotion. Um, and they also believed in dress reform, which was something that Mary Walker adopted as a young woman. And what this basically meant was for her whole life, she wore pants. And that was very shocking during the 19th and early 20th century. She did complete medical school. She was a credentialed physician. And when the Civil War broke out in 1861, she traveled to Washington, D.C., offered her services to the United States Army as a physician. She was turned down because she was a woman. And she volunteered her services initially. She was later hired on as a civilian contract surgeon. And it was for this work, both in the nation's capital and in the field, that and President Andrew Johnson um, was the, the real mover behind getting her this Medal of Honor. And she was awarded that in late 1865. And she spent the rest of her life working on women's suffrage. That was her next big cause, which she saw 
as a direct outgrowth from the goals of the Civil War. That's fascinating. It's it's kind of funny how it comes full circle where uh, wearing pants was progressive and now we're in the time of Zoom where um, you know there's a lot of discussion about whether or not we're wearing pants, but th that's probably a different podcast. Uh, see, I'm already going off script. <laughs> No, thank you, Dr. Kaminsky. Now, Senator Ernst, um, you and I have both served in uniform. One of us was in the, the right branch and then the other was in another. Uh, we don't have to say which is which, go Air Force. Well, now, when you come up through the ranks in the military, you become pretty familiar with the Medal of Honor stories. And these are incredible individuals, but they often say that they wear the medal for everyone who served. So could you tell us a little bit about your military service and how you've been inspired by the individuals with whom you've served? And thank you for your service as well, Mo. Um, I think that many women have had the opportunity to serve, but many women will choose not to serve because they haven't maybe been around those that have led the way. Um, I you know, engaged in ROTC when I was at Iowa State University, and from there went on to become a military engineer. And when I went into the US Army engineers, women weren't allowed to be combat engineers. Uh, they were allowed to work in areas of construction. So I worked with heavy equipment and that's what my soldiers did. We did road maintenance, other things like that. Um, here we are advanced forward 30 years and now we have women that can serve in every branch of the service and even in combat roles. So I'm so thankful that we have seen those advances. I spent 23 years of military service between the U.S. Army Reserves and the Iowa Army National Guard. When I was with the Iowa Army National Guard, I did deploy overseas for Operation Iraqi Freedom One as a company commander. And I was the first female company commander of this particular unit. And I do remember before we deployed overseas, um, some of the members of the community, former soldiers that were then retired, they were just like, is the unit going to be okay with a female commander? You know, and boy, folks, we have really come a long way since then. And so I'm just grateful to have had that opportunity. I went on to become a battalion commander as well and retired in the fall of 2015. But I have had so many other Iowans with younger daughters that have said, wow, you have really set the example. And now my daughter knows that she can serve in the military. She can be a leader in the military, not just a soldier. Um, but it's a, been a wonderful experience for me. I've taken away so much. I completely understand when you have a Medal of Honor recipient that says they wear it for everyone else, they are truly magnificent people and their service is greater than self. And that's, I think, why so many of us serve is to do for others maybe what they can't do for themselves. Absolutely. Well, and thank you for, for inspiring the other people who, who need to see people who look like them, you know, serving in those leadership positions. But uh, right. yeah. So Dr. Kaminsky, Dr. Walker's medal was rescinded in 1917 because of her civilian status, but was later restored by President Jimmy Carter she kept wearing the medal throughout her life anyway. Now, her defiance was in some measure because she viewed herself as part of the suffrage movement, which you mentioned earlier. And so Walker does truly wear this medal for women everywhere. 
So Teresa, will you tell us a little bit more about how the status of Mary Walker's award changed over time and how her defiant attitude about giving up the Medal of Honor also kind of shaped her, her impact she's had on us? I think that um, some of her defiance um, came through because of her age. By the time she received word that the medal was being rescinded, um, she was within about two years of her own death. And she was, she was getting rather infirm by that point. She had had a bad fall on the steps of the Capitol. Um, she never really recovered from that. And so I think probably everything that, that happened after that was exacerbated by poor health. And she was really hurt and angry about it, which is very understandable. And the reason that she refused to stop wearing it was, again, it goes back to who awarded her the medal. She did very much see this as coming almost directly from President Johnson himself. And she said, you know, that Army Board can do whatever it wants about reviewing medals, but this came from Andrew Johnson. And since he's not taking it back, I'm not giving it up. And there was, um, there was word from the Army very quickly that they would, of course, not be sending anybody to Mary Walker's home in Oswego to you know, take the medal from her. That would have been very, very bad PR. But it was also clear that um, the Army was doing that kind of review. And I do want to be clear that Mary Walker was not the only one to have her medal rescinded. This was part of a huge review. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that the United States was getting ready to enter World War I at this point. And how medals are awarded once again became a very big issue for the military, especially when the medal was attached to monetary compensation, like a pension. So I think the army especially wanted to be very sure that um, only people that they believe now were really deserving of it still had the medal. There was quite a bit of controversy that the army changed the rules, changed the criteria for the medal after the fact, which a lot of people found unfair. Mm -hmm. And this is probably another reason why Mary Walker held on to it. But anyway, how, how that situation resolved itself, um, it had to do with, I think, a lot of very dogged determination by some of her ancestors some, or some of her uh, subsequent family members who, really saw the injustice of this and worked for decades, beginning, uh, really beginning in the 1920s. And women's suffrage, I think, was a catalyst for this. After women got the right to vote, there was a lot of attention on women as citizens. So it took decades for um, various members of Congress to start paying attention to this. And actually, it was another army review board that restored her medal. Um, and this, I think, would have been very important to her as well, that um, basically the same kind of institution that took it away from her 
or allegedly took it away from her, restored it to her. And this was also done within the context of a, a very vibrant late 20th century women's rights movement. This happens in the 1970s when the Equal Rights Amendment was still going full steam for um, approval. And there was just that kind of spirit of gender equality. And Mary Walker was really revived as a hero for modern times. And that's how the medal was reinstated. That's fascinating. That that really is fascinating. Thank you. You know, in your, uh, Dr. Kaminsky, in your bio, it says that you write about scrappy women caught up in extraordinary times. And man, I, I love that you're using the word scrappy. I think we should bring scrappy back. So, uh, Senator, I don't know if there's word, you know, room on your business cards, but I, I think that'd be a great, like, you know, descriptor, so scrappy. But I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's fascinating. So thank you for that, Dr. Kaminsky. So for those of you listening who may not be familiar with the Medal of Honor, let me tell you, Medal of Honor recipients are a huge deal in the military. As a rule, service members salute officers with higher rank. Medal of Honor recipients, however, get saluted by everyone, even four-star generals and admirals. So four-star generals are saluting the president and Medal of Honor recipients, and that's about it, rarely anyone else. So for Dr. Walker to retain her medal and her status is a big deal. If we can, real quick, I'd like to transition to a bit um, about talking about women in the military more broadly. So two or three of us have worn the uniform, and I wonder what experiences we can share and reflect on. Because today, less than 17% of active duty military are women. And Senator, as you mentioned before, your your daughter is now serving, and I'm sure your example has a lot to do with that. So can you tell us a bit about the dynamic involving generations of service and what do you think we can do to encourage more young women to serve? Yeah, I think it is an area that we really need to put more emphasis on. Um, Certainly, again, having women like you, Mo, um, others like, like me that have served in the National Guard or Reserves, having that example out there, you have women that say, I'm not going to be doing this on my own. Others have gone ahead of me. I know that I can do it too. And so I think encouraging women to enter into the ranks is really important. And I just had a discussion with the Adjutant General of Iowa this past weekend, and we were talking about diversity in our ranks and that we need Uh, just different faces serving in leadership capacity uh, and encouraging others to follow. And especially with with women that are serving in the military, as you said, you know, less than 17% or about 17% are women. And yet, just as I said earlier, every job skill or profession within the military is now open to women. It means that a woman, if she is physically able, um, has that mental capacity, they can serve in the most specialized of occupations in the service. And the reward is great for that. So encouraging others like my daughter uh, to serve in the United States military, serving um, her nation, her state and her nation, very, very important. Um, We have seen so many extraordinary women um, and while Uh, Dr. Mary Walker may be the only Medal of Honor recipient. We do have tremendous women 
that are serving in, in recent years, like uh, Leanne Hester, who was in the Kentucky National Guard, she received a silver star for her valor um, on the battlefield. Uh, she was the first woman since World War II to receive the silver star. We've had a second one, Specialist Monica Brown, who um, was serving with the 82nd Airborne Division that has received the silver star. But they're, you know, they're breaking those barriers and they are showing others that you can do this too. If this is what you want to do, do it. And that's what we need to really emphasize to young women, young women everywhere is that if this is really what you want to do, you can do it. There are no barriers any longer. I love that. Thank you, ma'am. Senator Ernst, you, you talked about um, women serving and women pushing the boundaries and women that are getting into these leadership positions and showing other women that they can do that. Do you think that we will see another woman awarded the Medal of Honor someday? I do. Absolutely, I do, because there are no barriers any longer. And believe me, women are compassionate, but they are also warriors. And we have seen this demonstrated in the past. They're willing to go um, in the line of fire to serve others. And yes, I believe it. I love that. So Dr. Kaminsky, same question to you, but I'm gonna add a little bit of lightning to the thunder there already. Um, so my first question would be, do you, do you think we'll see another woman awarded the Medal of Honor someday? And as the, 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 hit, the country's uh, foremost authority on Dr. Mary Walker, our only female Medal of Honor recipient, what is one piece of advice you think that she would give women today? Well, I, I do agree with the Senator. I, I think it's only a matter of time and I think, um, Frankly, it's surprising that it's, it's taken quite this, this time um, to add more names to that list of women who received the Medal of Honor. And I think Mary Walker's advice would also be similar to what the Senator was saying. And, and she did in her, while she was with the Army during the Civil War, she was encouraging other women to do the same thing. She, she did not value her work with the army because she saw herself as the only woman doing it. She wanted other women to use what their particular talents were to be of service to the country. That was very important to her. And this is why she was just so puzzled when the Secretary of War refused to give her a commission because she was a woman. She just didn't understand what gender had to do with it. She said, I'm a skilled surgeon. I can do what the male doctors are doing. And she just didn't understand why she couldn't do it because she was a woman. And she continued to encourage other women, even if they wanted to do what she didn't do. And that was to actually fight. She was very aware of the stories of the women who did um, put on a soldier's uniform to join the ranks and to fight during the Civil War. And we, there are, of course, hundreds of documented cases mm -hmm. of this. And she said, even if women wanted to do that, they should be able to do that. As Americans, that was their right and that was their duty. And so I think if she were around today, she'd still be saying the same thing, that if this is what you believe your calling is, you should be able to do it and to do it on equal footing with any man. Man, that is powerful. I mean, how how simple, but you know, how complex that is just to, to encourage mm -hmm. other people um, to do not exactly what you're doing, but but 
but putting forth the same effort for the same cause. I love that. Yeah. Um, so Senator, just to kind of tag onto that, what, what advice would you add um, to for women that are looking to achieve their dreams and break into the different molds that, that, that need to be broken today? So tagging onto Dr. Walker's advice. I would tell all of those women that are looking at various challenges and obstacles to take the hill, you know, charge <laughs> that hill. The, the hill being any obstacle or challenge that is in front of you, but to take it, you know, and there are various ways you could walk up the hill, you can run up the hill, you can, you know, whatever it is, whatever your method is, just take the hill. And don't be discouraged. Um, we all understand that there may be bumps and um, bruises along the way. You know what? Those heal and you're going to overcome. So I think we still have a significant amount of barriers that are between us and our objectives. But the only way that we are going to get there is by taking those challenges and objectives on. So uh, let's figure out a way and let's do it. I love that. Take the hill. All right. That's also going the on the hill. business cards. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so we've had... and take the hill. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. So we have about 90 seconds left. And so Dr. Kaminsky, I'm going to throw the last question to you. What is the craziest or most interesting thing you discovered about our country's only medal of honor recipient who is a female while doing research for your book? Well, I think that uh, might, what might surprise a lot of people is how many times she was actually arrested for wearing pants in public. And again, Mo, like you said earlier, um, today, especially through the pandemic, we're, you know, we're all wondering what people are wearing um, as they're zooming in. And um, I think Mary Walker would have been all for leggings and sweatpants and um, anything that was comfortable too. So, um, but she did run into problems when she went out in public wearing pants because there were some cities that had ordinances that banned women from appearing in men's clothes and she was i think the last time she was arrested she was 80 years old so you kind of wonder what sort of threat to the public welfare she really presented and um she she vigorously fought these arrests she did not uh she did not acquiesce she adamantly maintained that because she was a woman any clothing that she wore in fact became women's clothing she mm -hmm. could, she rejected the notion that trousers were men's clothing so that's how she argued the law on this point love it well i mean that's again this has just been chock full of great advice right so uh take the hill put on your pants and encourage others i don't know what else we can take from this be scrappy that's great <laughs> all right so dr kaminsky do you have any uh, any parting words about our only uh, female medal of honor recipient well, I just hope everybody has a chance to read more about her, um, whether it's through my book, which is the most recent, or um, some of the others that have come earlier. Um, I, I think that Mary Walker's life, both with the Army and in the years afterwards, are just so, her, her experiences are so startling and so inspiring. I think everybody would enjoy reading about that. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I can't, I can't wait to get my hands on it too. I was, um, when I, when I did my, uh, my couple sentences in the Pentagon, uh, I would, I love giving tours of the building and I would take people to the hall of heroes, which is where all the medal of honor recipients names are inscribed on the wall. And I would always take people, especially if I was taking young girls or young women through the Pentagon, I would always point out Dr. Mary Walker. I can, I can always picture where, where her name is on the wall in the hall of heroes in the Pentagon. So, um, it's, it's fantastic for me to get to meet you and to talk to you and the senator um, about just the role that women play, not just in the military, but in life uh, writ large. So it's it's fantastic. And so I've really enjoyed this time. And we want to thank you all for joining us today on the Mission Inspire podcast, which is a production of the National Medal of Honor Museum Foundation. To our special guests, I had a fantastic time and this was an amazing conversation. And you help listeners learn more about Dr. Mary Walker about the Medal of Honor and about women in the military and beyond. So again, special thanks to Dr. Teresa Kaminsky, author of Dr. Mary Walker's Civil War, One Woman's Journey to the Medal of Honor and the Fight for Women's Rights, which is available for purchase now on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and other reputable booksellers, which sounds like a great holiday gift. The timing is perfect. And also thank you to Senator Joni Ernst for joining us during this very busy time in our country. And thank you for your service to our nation. I am Mo Barrett. You can find me at mobarrett.com and you can find the National Medal of Honor Museum at mohmuseum.org. So mohmuseum.org. Thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>